Hell is where God says, have it your way. If someone will not have God, then they bring their own hell with them. If Christ is Lord, then he rules over how I watch TV, how I treat my children, how I treat my neighbors. He rules over everything. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. What's wrong with you people? I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. Put on the full armor of God and pray, 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 and pray. Officer, you are not engaging in activity constitutional behavior. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. By Solus Studios presents Reformed Radio. Welcome back to Reformed Radio, everyone. I know it's been a while. Uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great Christmas. And I hope you had a great New Year. It's been a while, but I had a good excuse. I had a baby. <laughs> and they take up a lot of time. So uh, we're trying to get back into it. And hopefully this year it'll be awesome. And you'll see lots of us so much so that you're going to get sick. Hopefully not. But if you do, just Pepto-Bismo right there. Plug for our sponsor. <laughs> All right, Mark. So one thing that I noticed quite a bit uh, during the whole, all the, the holidays is anxiety. It was all over the place. If anyone listened to uh, one of the baby sessions last time, I talked about it. Like, it's a big deal. Like, people get so anxious, uh, especially around Christmas. And one of the results of that is people go crazy. They, they just kind of live in this bubble of, of kind of fantasy. At least I feel like it's f- fanatical because I'm like, that that's not a rational way to handle this. Why are you having this, this freakout episode? And so I saw quite a bit of that going on during Christmas. And so I thought, let's, let's have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is we're going to be talking about anxiety, specifically the culture of anxiety. Uh, so before we get started, I wanted to kind of go through a couple stats that I found about this. So there are a lot of people that have what's called an anxiety disorder. And there is a lot of variety of anxiety disorders, by the way. I mean, there's, it, it blew my mind. There's actually one here that is called climate anxiety. <laughs> I, what? <laughs> what is that? I, I don't think that existed 20 years ago. Like, Right. That, that wasn't something my you know parents ever told me about. <laughs> so, uh, there's quite a few of them. And this is back in 2019. There were over 300 million people that claimed an anxiety disorder. Wow. Well, we've had COVID since then. And so I am certain that that number has gone up through the roof. And so I would estimate that you're probably looking at almost double that now. Mm-hmm. Probably at least 600 million, to maybe even a billion people would claim some type of anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple of things that I've also learned while kind of going through and doing some research on this is that it's predominantly in women and it's actually in younger people. Mm-hmm. It affects younger people more so than, you know, the older or the middle age. And so if you're under the age of 30, you probably know 
you know, one out of every four people is going to have some kind of disorder that they're going to claim. And so that's a big deal. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you know, where did this come from? And why is this so prevailing? Um, again, as, as, a, as a kid, we knew about anxiety, but it wasn't like a huge ordeal. Like depression was, mm-hmm. I knew about depression growing up, and uh, I'm interested in knowing how big of a deal it was for you uh, in your time period growing up. But I mean, anxiety was not a big thing. It was kind of just like you're just a little anxious about something. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. What What did you experience? It was not. Um, I kind of noticed it started coming around with all this focus on being safe. You know, you hear the word safe a lot yeah. now, too. And safety's a great thing. I've worked in plants and seen horrors and that kind of safety, really, really important. But I've noticed the two kind of correlate and, and grow together. And so such that um, anxiety is so widespread now that almost everything does it. When I correlate it with safety, for example, we used to ride bikes all the time, fell off of them nonstop, yeah. broke bones, hurt yourself, skin, knees, the whole thing. That Nothing was the life, ever man. Said. They were like, yeah, you're supposed to do that, yeah. right? And it's a rite of passage. And there was, right, and there was no anxiety about it. And my mother just let us disappear in the morning and not come back until it was dark. She had a cowbell she would ring. We would either be out, <laughs> and we would be in the water in boats, we would be in the woods, we'd be climbing trees, all this and there was no anxiety surrounding it right and then came the safety kind of movement and again safety is a good thing i'm not saying it's not and it's 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 very important but it this rise with anxiety where all of a sudden everything causes anxiety yeah and i'm I'm interested to hear from you when you propose this topic and i think it's a great one this is a very pastoral topic and if you're going to do ministry of any type these days you're going to encounter a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. so i think it's really important that you raised this but i'm curious if we can make a disclaimer just to get started yeah let's go ahead we're talking about um, not physical ailments right like there are some physical ailments that cause a certain form of anxiety mm-hmm. um, for example a thyroid deficiency or something will cause hormones to get a little wacko stuff like that that's not what you're talking about right you're talking about just um, something of a different like worry for no rest. you know what reason. i got a definition for you oh perfect since you brought it up let's let's go <laughs> ahead and get to it we so like to define things uh anxiety disorder is an excessive worry or irrational fear over a prolonged period of time. Um, So I was doing some research on this, and I found that there are various definitions, and it's really hard to just nail it down. But in summary, I would say an anxiety disorder is being in a state of worry or fear for an arbitrary amount of time. Because depending on who you talk to, they're going to say, well, if you're having this feeling for a day, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have an anxiety disorder, or it's a month okay. or, you know, a week or, you know, some, whatever, they kind of change that timing based on what it is. And so that's kind of why I say arbitrary, but that's basically what we're talking about is kind of being overwhelmed by worry and fear that we would. And again, that's kind of also arbitrary to say irrational. Yes. I, and I had the same thought. I was thinking of kind of 
separating fear and anxiety bit saying just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying there well fear is actual a response to something real where anxiety or worry is more abstract or something imagined or thought of or uh, a future event that could or could not happen for example if there's a tiger behind the door i have a rational fear in my life right <laughs> but if i'm just imagining something 10 years from now that might happen that's an anxiety kind of effect rather than a straight out fear is that yeah i think that that would be a great example of what worry is mm-hmm. okay the pretend thoughts of something that could happen i mean it's it's possible that it's possible. there's a lion downstairs right it's possible Mm-hmm. But it's not rational to think that we're not near a zoo. I'm not in a jungle. <laughs> the only thing downstairs don't have weird neighbors. You yeah, know, they don't have lions. Right. All we got right now is really cold weather. That's it. So all those secondhand lions, you know, <laughs> just make an exception for that. One That's a good one. Yeah, but worry can very much be interest paid on a debt that never comes due. Yeah, that's that's a great way to say it. It may never come to fruition, and most almost every time it won't. You know, it's a lot of times, and that's that's what it is. That's what we're talking about, irrational. And when we say irrational, that's what we're meaning. It's something that's not likely to happen. But even when they do, what's the Christian response? Well, are we going to get to that now, or do you want to wait? I will. Because I want to hear, I I want to hear what the world has to say about this. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Because, you know, the world really has everything under control yeah. here. So. <laughs> They're not anxious a bit. No, uh, no. All right. Okay, so some of the medication options I've seen uh, for dealing with a variety of anxiety disorders, like I I said, there's a lot of different versions, but uh, one of the primary ways of dealing with it is therapy. Mm-hmm. talk therapy specifically so counseling and going and and basically what you're doing is you're going to a counselor to provide you with some strategies on coping with your worry or your fears or whatnot and so they're gonna they're gonna put you on the couch you're gonna talk to them they're gonna take a paycheck that's it mm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding counselors I, I know y'all have more more meaning than that but uh basically it's the idea of saying Let's solve this problem by trying to get you to work through it in your head. Mm -hmm. And um, they make a lot of money on that. They make a lot of money on that right now. Uh, One of the other options is getting some kind of stress management. So that could be uh, doing exercises. That's a big one that they suggest is doing a lot of exercising. It's probably why you see a lot of people going to the gym. There's quite a bit of a boom of that. Um, probably also because of COVID and people could get out, but still, uh, that's a big part of it. Um, doing like yoga, stuff like that. That's another one they're going to kind of push to. And, um, mindfulness meditation. Thought that was, uh, that's, that's very obscure. (laughs) And I'm sure they're not talking about anything to do with, you know, Christian mindfulness. I'm, I'm pretty certain that's the last thing that they would put on there unless they were a Christian counselor. And then, uh, obviously recreational drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's a big, that's a big thing about, you know, marijuana. And that's one of the things that people do tend to take that for is stress management. Uh, specifically, if you have a lot of anxiety, just take some of that, do whatever that's going to help bring you down. And then, uh, off antidepressant medicine. 
Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, that's why I think a lot of the studies I found put these two things together. They put depression and anxiety together because they're so similar in their minds. Because if you're depressed, well, you're probably anxious about something. And so let's give you some medicine to kind of help fluctuate that. Mm-hmm. And so as Mark said earlier, there is real situations where you have a, a mental issue or a physical issue that causes an overabundance of irrational anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that is a real thing. So I'm not saying that uh, for anybody who suffers with something like that, that, you know, that's irrational, you need to stop, you know, just get Jesus and that's it. No, that's that's not what we're saying. That's a real thing. And so you got I'm, more to I'm say. I'm really glad to hear you say that because a lot of times that's just the Christian's easy response. Get Jesus and it'll all get better. And, and, and people that have genuine pain in this area are pushed aside and kind of brushed aside or mm-hmm. hand-waved just by that. And, and a lot of times, I know because I've been through it with people, a lot of times these things are very, very difficult to work through. Yeah, sin sin has caused mm-hmm. devastating effects on the body. Sin does that that most certainly does. But I'm just even talking about you know um, imbalances imbalances physical. Oh, what I mean is yeah. the fall. The fall, yeah. The fall, uh-huh. right? Because sin entered the world, the body mm-hmm. has been devastated because of that. Because, Not because of your personal sin. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, because fear is unnatural, right? Adam and Eve didn't have it before the fall. They walked in the garden, and they had no fear, and they had no shame. And anxiety is the same way. It's a result, writ large, like you're saying, it's a result of the fall. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't here before. And so fear and anxiety, very much related, both come unnaturally because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Yeah. Definitely. So what do you think? I got some causes that I think relate to it and from what I saw. But I'd like to, after I give a few a couple, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what you got, if you got anything else to add. Uh, I think one of the number one causes of this type of anxiety is godlessness. Mm-hmm. It's a rejection of Christ. It's a rejection of what Scripture says. Uh, and because of that, you only got yourself. Even if you're, if you're going with some other humanistic religion, mm-hmm. you're, that's just you. Just you all on your own. Uh, so that's one of the big ones, and I think that ties heavily to humanism. Mm-hmm. So humanism is that and you figure it out. You have the strength within you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps to get this done. And the reality is if you are told that over and over again and you are suffering from being, you know, you're worried about things because you can't control them, as, you know, mm-hmm. reality is you can't control things, mm-hmm. if that's your view you're going to become depressed. You are going to become completely consumed with anxiety because you have no hope. There's no way to get out of it. Um, technology. technology. That's a huge one, especially with um, our younger generation, even my generation in, as part of that, but just barely because, you know, we kind of, I'm old, you know. <laughs> Not as old as you, but I'm old. <laughs> uh, are you a millennial? We, what was that? Are you millennial? I don't know what I am. Oh, you don't know what you I are. always forget. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's... I don't know. I'm in the I'm I'm in the thirties range, I think. You know, so right before thirties, whatever that generation is. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, once the cell phone came out, yeah, and the overuse of cell phones, mm-hmm. especially with young children, has resulted in zombies. <laughs> <laughs> 
that, that's what's happening, people. You didn't know zombies were real. They are. They Just are. look out there. You see a kid with a cell phone running into people. That's a zombie. <laughs> but no, but the reality is that has created this inability to socialize because all they know how to do is to text is to interact with their phone and interact with a person through that. So whatever that means is, um, and so there's this kind of disjointedness. Mm -hmm. And so I can have a conversation with you impersonally, which makes, it takes out the human element of that. Mm -hmm. And also gives you this sense of isolation. And so that's part of, I think of one of the, the big reasons that we have so much anxiety now, uh, a lack of responsibility. People aren't responsible for their actions. Mm. They aren't responsible for, I mean, taking care of themselves. I mean, how many of the younger people are living with their parents still? They're not getting jobs. They're not going out and doing things. Uh, that, part of it's because they're, they don't know how to socialize. Because all they can do is their phone and they couldn't get the job making a video game. You mm. know, that's what they all thought they were going to get. <laughs> and then I think, um, maybe this is reaching, but I want to see what you think. I think there's also a little bit of victim mentality. Mm. Uh, so what I've seen online when I look this up, and as the story I shared with you on the baby session, um, there's this almost like championing around somebody who is dealing with this. And, it, and it's, it's almost like you've, you've kind of put yourself in this situation, and now as you're dealing with it, everyone comes around you, and it's like you're a victim, here's your a praise for it. Mm -hmm. Here's your restitution, so to speak. And so it just kind of builds that culture further. Instead of really trying to fix the problem, it's pampering it. Mm -hmm. And so those those are some of my thoughts on what the causes are. You got any additional thoughts to that? I think I do. Um, I think this is a case-by-case -case basis, and I would acknowledge having seen every one of your examples in, in real life, IRL, as they say. Right. Uh, <laughs> Look at you being yeah. hit. <laughs> I did that just for that reason. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't, I think it's a case by case basis, not broad brush like every kid that has a phone is all automatically anxious. You know, I, I know lots of good kids that uh, have phones and use them responsibly and, and the like. You know, it, it's screen time in general for that. Um, so, I often like to take up for the younger generation, and I would add that they have been handed through no fault of their own because it happened before they got to here, a very different world than I had as a mm -hmm. young person. Yeah. And even very, very different from, say, a boomer childhood or a silent childhood and before that. Yeah. Right? Uh, the the world's very very different now in in a lot of different ways. Um, in the '60s, you could pretty much fall backwards into a job at say a factory or whatever, and be able to get married, raise a family with a one one income, and be pr relatively prosperous. The old American dream that they used to say. Well, that time is likely. Um, at least for a large section of the population has passed. And that's anxiety causing to these younger people through no fault of their own. And all of the uncertainty in this world. 
when I grew up, there was some uncertainty, but there's a lot more now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the younger generations, I always take up for them because they are in so many ways smarter than we were that they information wise wisdom we can argue (laughs) (laughs) well they still got some time to grow to get some wisdom well there's no fool like an old fool they always say right (laughs) but uh they just information why information wise they are miles ahead of where we were um and unfortunately there's also a loss of innocence that comes with that due to some of the type of information they're exposed to and that's anxiety inducing in a lot of ways Mm. okay and um, so the world's a lot more uncertain and different and then what they are exposed to is anxiety causing so there are certain things on the screen that you can be exposed to that organically create anxiety because they're not good for you okay you mentioned the recreational drugs or right Mm -hmm. that's one way of introducing anxiety and you know trial into your life well looking at the wrong things does that also so if you are um let me quit quit beating around the bush you know if you get right to the point yeah come on (laughs) if you um if you are looking at um, pornography or something, that's going to, over time, induce anxiety, right? Um, so there, there's a lot of different ways on the screen that you can, that you can get to an anxious point. Mm. Uh, well, I will point this out. So uh, I'm old school, and I have the handwritten notes, and my good friend here is looking at the screen. I'm just going to just point that part out, right? <laughs> <laughs> since we're talking about screens. Um, but I would say um, this: the anxiety in general, if we just don't look at specific causes, that in, in general it's exacerbated because of media. The media, um, the media just by nature of what it is causes anxiety i think i think there's two reasons for this one corporations and the media like anxiety because it sells things yeah corporations love it because it it makes a profit oh i'm you know i'm I'm nervous that this this will fix it right um or I don't look a certain way and I'm anxious about it, so this product will make me look better or act better or do better, and it will reduce anxiety. And the media likes anxiety because it's clicks and it's views. And if they can, if that media can get you um, anxious about something, it means you're gonna watch. That's why on the local news, you know, there's always a fire here or a crash there mm-hmm. or a killing there or a political thing over here. You know, it's got to stir up anxiousness because that gets clicks and views, right? One good way to reduce anxiety, turn the news off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I always try to remind It just melts you, away. It just <laughs> may, well, A lot of it does, you know. <clears throat> but I always ask people, hey, you remember that fire last year? You know, on around April the third, they go, "What? Exactly? <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> you don't remember it, but when you're watching it, it starts shaking up that anxiousness in you." 
You know, and I and I wonder, God didn't design. I don't think God designed us to be needing to know what's going on all over the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right, we 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 need to be local. <laughs> That's our responsibility. Is what's around us, our families, our community. That's where it starts. And so that if we are more consumed with what's going on away from us in places that most of us will never interact with, mm-hmm. that's a waste of time. It's why you, the Bible sure says we can you pray, giving with the household of God. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but if prayer is the only real benefit, I think in that kind of a situation, and that is a good thing. That hey, now I know that this is happening, so I can pray about that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's wasting your time. Yeah, and it's causing anxiety, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have more to add to that? Yeah, I did. Okay, I go ahead. A few more sources, just um, normal type of anxieties, right? Go ahead. I, I made a list of the things I, I think anyway that I encounter the most in people that of what they're anxious about, and we could these are these are things that deviate a little bit from your list because I think they're they're almost universal to everybody, like jobs create anxiety am i going to lose my job and keep my job my job good enough i have a horrible job what am i doing am i going to work you know um, jobs just seem to do it um money i can understand that one (laughs) (laughs) well if if you're in a difficult place in your job i'm not saying you are but if you are you you're you're probably feeling some anxiety about it i would say Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i've been there before yeah yeah we all we all are money yeah, yeah, money is a big one. Money's a big one. You know, your appearance. A lot of people are anxious about their appearance. I know, my hair's starting to go. <laughs> it's not that bad, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, appearances, and this plays into um, a lot of the things on your list. You know, somebody's appearance um, can start driving that anxiety, and it'll drive them to do certain things. Um, or what about illness? Yeah. You know, do you ever, are you ever worried about your, your health, right? You mentioned, um, I guess coming up on four years ago now when all the COVID stuff hit and it was anxiety central, Mm -hmm. almost everybody I knew was just, you know, was just nervous as they could be, um, or your marriage. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are anxious in their marriage. Kids, kids can be a source of anxiety. You know what? You know, are they going to grow up? Or I saw them doing this. Or you know, what parents haven't worried about something? In- Where's Timmy? Yeah. Where Where'd he go? <laughs> right. Um, so, just all kinds of things um, can lead to this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. And so. What does the Bible say about anxiety? What is that? What does the Bible have to say about all of these things we talked about? Mm-hmm. Not just the disorders, but like you mentioned, just the the kind of normal worries and fears that we have from day to day. What does the Bible say about that? Well, I did bring several verses with me just in case you were going to ask (laughs) like a good pastor it uh, brought the bible like a good christian my friend Uh, (laughs) i think you got a few on your list too don't you yes sir yeah i think the bible talks quite a bit about anxiety and worry and nervousness right i think it does it's almost like 
Um, God knew through the fall we were going to constantly be in worry. You know, so he does have a lot to say. I like um, Proverbs uh, chapter 12, verse 25, which says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You know, an anxious heart is like wearing weights around, you know. It's probably okay right at first. You know, you can probably walk okay and, and everything at first, but the longer you go with that extra weight, it just starts pulling you down. It tires you out. It um, has an effect on your body, has an effect on your mind, on your heart. You know, just really, it's, it's just a weighing down anxiety is. Very, very hard. I really feel for people. I do, Tommy. I feel for people that have, um, I don't know if I would call it chronic anxiety, but people that carry the weight and burden of anxiety around with them a lot i they really weigh heavily on my heart i carry a burden for them because to tell you the truth it's one of the harder things in the world i think you know it's a type of pain that is very very hard to carry you know sometimes if you could just put a nail in your arm and hurt it would be better i think than carrying Mm. around this 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 weightiness of the heart and the mind, you know. Um, a peaceful mind is a wonderful thing, you know. And um, you know, and that's that's what Psalm one twenty seven, one through two says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Mm. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. I think the point of that is he gives peace. Mm -hmm. God gives peace and assurance. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going to see, what Scripture has to say about anxiety over and over and over again, is you've got to come back to him. Mm. You go to him, and you're going to end up giving that up. And stop consuming yourself with it and really just dwell in his peace and trust in him to provide. Um. But don't take my word for it. We're going to have more verses to kind of reassure you of that. Well, I was going to try to take your word for it. Do you have you noticed in your own life, you know, when when you're worried about something, has the Lord showed up for you in that manner? Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll tell a story. I don't think I've told it yet on here. Um, uh, a great uh, testimony I have of the Lord's faithfulness was uh, I I went to school. And I, I got my associate's degree in information technology. I, I wanted to get uh, a job building websites and something like that, you know, mm-hmm. just doing something of, along that nature. And I looked and I looked, I tried and I tried, I did everything I could to find a job. And I had a job, but it wasn't what I was trying to do. And I couldn't support my family. Um, not the way I needed to. I needed to be able to make enough money. Like you mentioned, it's it's very hard to have an income mm-hmm. where your wife can stay at home with the kids. And I had just had a daughter, and I'm like, I, I got to get her home. And so we decided we were going to trust God. And at the end, because my wife is a teacher, at the as soon as we get to summer, she's quitting. And we're going to just trust that God's going to give us, give me the job to take care of us. And she quit. That summer went by, didn't get a job. 
uh, I watched the the amount of money we had starting to trickle down because I'm not making enough money for both of us, and I'm watching it drop. I'm like, all right, God, you're gonna have to give me this job, and um, we go into Thanksgiving, still nothing. We go into Christmas, nothing. And then we, we come into the new year, and uh, early in the year, I got a call back from one of my my um, my applications. And uh, the guy, I talked to him, we did an, an interview and all that, and he's like, actually, you're overqualified. Hmm. How can I be overqualified? <laughs> I've never had the job. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about, man? <laughs> and so I was like, I got a family. I got to take care of my family. And, you know, I'm going to work this job. Even if I'm overqualified, I'm not going to just get bored and quit. Like, mm-hmm. I need to take care of my family. And he said, okay. And so he gave me a shot. And that that money came in, and it was, it was enough. It was just barely enough. But what was more interesting is we ran out of money right then. Mm. So I had no more money, and then I got the job. You know, God provided. He just was like, do you trust me? I'm mm-hmm. going to take care of this. And we did. And we trusted him. And God took care of us. And there was a great peace, even though there was, a, there was some fear. I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't anxious. Um, but for the most part, I kept going, God's going to provide. Just had to keep reminding myself of that. And he was faithful, and he did. And he did so more and more abundantly after that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, God, God does provide. And he is our assurance. Mm-hmm. We just have to look to him, depend on him. And it might not be like what we're, we're wanting. Right. It might be, oh, well, actually, you need to downsize. Mm-hmm. Or now you, y'all are going to have to do something totally different. You know, but he's going to do it the right way. He's going to do something that's going to honor him and glorify him. See, that's an interesting point, too. Would you say that? Like specifically in some of those causes that you mentioned at the beginning, like, do you think there's a place in there where you really need to stop doing some of these uh, habits or practices or activities or else you ought to expect there to be a little anxiety coming and a little worry coming because these habits are not productive these habits tend to corrupt and destroy a little bit yeah Uh, i would say especially if if the situation is you're anxious about money Mm -hmm. you should probably stop spending so much extra money (laughs) the doctor said i gotta go work out well maybe you shouldn't because that extra money that you're spending to go to the gym or to buy the weights and all that is actually going to make you even more anxious because you're not using your money well. Cause you can exercise by running up and down your own street. Right. right? So but see, that's a, that's one example of that, right? Just mm-hmm. if it's money, well start spending wisely. Um, if it's, you're spending too much time watching the news, cut it back. You're going to start seeing some changes with that too. So I don't want to say anxiety is ever good because I agree with you that writ large it comes by sin and sometimes it's our personal sin that brings it. So I'm not saying it's good, but there is a sense then where it is an alarm in some ways that maybe I ought to check my behavior in some areas. Or maybe I at least ought to be self-aware enough to look at what I'm doing and to ascertain whether 
I'm causing a little bit of this or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm anxious in the mornings because I'm staying up too late, okay? I'll tell on myself a little bit. Sometimes <laughs> I feel a, a little um, sketchy in the mornings because I've stayed up too late. And I know, especially as I increase in age, you know, my bedtime keeps dropping, right? The, the amount I can tolerate and still feel good the next day. So there are times when it's really good to take inventory of your anxiety and say, you know what, maybe I'm causing a little bit of this because I know lots of folks that just never get out of the anxiety cycle because they refuse to ever look or God forbid it's anything I'm doing, you know, or it ain't me always, you know, you, mm-hmm. you do encounter that quite a bit. So yeah, you could take that as a cue to just do little soul searching and honest inventory of one's life. Are you suggesting mindful meditation? <laughs> um, well, again, when you when you mentioned the meditation thing, it, it really struck a chord in me because I have some friends from the old days who were kind of talking up the whole meditation thing here very recently. It's it's kind of a thing out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of part of that whole new age movement. Yep. And you know, the world always promises peace, uh, but it never delivers. Yeah. You know, it delivers nervousness and anxiety. It promises leisure. All the leisure time we have now, you know, compared with former generations, it promises us peace and contentment. And I believe what you're saying in your statistics that we're more anxious now than ever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just look at how many people are killing themselves right now. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's not a good sign. Like, if your solution <laughs> no, was, if you were going to have the solution here from the world, like, that should have dropped. People mm-hmm. shouldn't be wanting to kill themselves. Or be violent in general. Yeah. You know, it's very violent. How about this one, then? Um, God kind of promises us that we can go to him. Uh, this is First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I had this thought when thinking about anxiety then. Cast all your cares, all your anxiety on him. Um, I'm going to guess that um, if we spend more time on the screens than we do in prayer, okay, that that's going to raise our anxiety levels. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put that out there. Now, I'm not saying we have to be Martin Luther and pray for 13 hours a day and all that. But if you're spending five hours on the TV, which I hear is kind of an average, you know, and you're spending five minutes in the prayer closet, I'm going to guess that increases the anxiety level. There's probably a strong correlation there. I'm thinking so. If you're not casting your anxiety upon him like he asks you to, he knows you have the anxiety, you know. I especially love, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's part of one of the great things about Christianity, about this, about this truth, is there is that hope, but there's also value. God values you. That's that's what it said. He cares for you. That's why you can come to him. Amen. That's why you can cast your worries. He's not ignorant of your worries. He knew that you're going to have them. Yep. And he's saying, "Come, give them to me." Mm-hmm. 
Um, Isaiah 35, 3 through 4 says this, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Mm. Don't worry, God will save you. That's the message there. And that's again, goes back to what we've been saying. What Scripture keeps saying is, God can take this. God is able to handle any worry, any fear that you have. You just come to him. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go to the counselor. Although the counselor may be helpful, potentially. Mm -hmm. The drugs may be able to help maybe small amounts of time. But ultimately, come to him. Mm -hmm. He will save you. Well, there are good counselors out there. And uh, they do great jobs, but you know what they do mainly is point people to the great physician, the great counselor, you know? Absolutely. Any counselor worth their salt. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Any pastor worth their salt. (laughs) (laughs) What, What do you say to somebody? This is a hard question. I don't mean to put you on the spot. But what do you say to someone that... You say that to them, you know, that God will do this, that, and the other, and they just look at them. You say, well, I've been trying that, but it doesn't work. I, I've worn myself out going to him, and it's just I still feel anxious. What do you do then? You put me on the spot. I did. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm breaking down. I, I'm so full of anxiety at this very <laughs> moment. <laughs> Well, this is part of your uh, pastoral training because this will happen to you all the time. You will be put on the spot with things of that nature. Well, the question is, do you believe it? And do they you, will do swear you, to you, yes. Do you yes, believe yes. that God is going to take take this from you? Well, I did, but you know, I've been trying so long over the same things and nothing ever happens. And I just still feel... You know, I have this disquietude about me, this nervousness, this unsettled spirit. It just won't go away, and he never shows up. What's wrong? How much of it, I mean, my thoughts would be, is this works? Are you working for this to happen, or is this a trust in God to actually take it? Because what's, what we're hearing from Scripture is a casting away. Yep. Right. It's a handoff. Mm-hmm. And so when you are experiencing this, these moments of this anxiety, of these fears, you need to be reminding yourself, oh, I don't need this. I need to give this to God. Uh, let me go to the great physician, as you said. Let me t- trade this for his peace and continually, continually do this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's probably not going to just stop right away. It's probably going to take time. And so don't be discouraged. Every single time it happens, you got to continually give it. And that's part of sanctification. Mm-hmm. That's part of the work. The Holy Spirit is going to work through you to build that into you build, you, build the faith that you need to get you through this. But it just depends on, are you holding on to it, working, you know, using your own fist to, mm-hmm. to get through this? Or is it, if you're really trusting God to handle this, then you're giving it to him. Um, that's that would be my answer. What do you think? Right on. I got an A. All right. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> We're grading on a curve around here. What do we do? <laughs> Woo! I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. 
yeah, you're going to pass, all right. <laughs> so I remember um, Jesus um, talked a lot about peace. And peace, I kind of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think peace is kind of that, that quality. Uh, it's a fruit of the Spirit, really, from Galatians, right? Peace is right in there with them. And peace is what you have when you're able to um, cast away, as you said, that anxiety. It leaves you with a, with a peace. Um, and he said these famous words, uh, peace I leave with you. This is in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's a promise from our Savior, right? My peace I leave with you. You know, he's going away, right? But he's earned this peace. He has destroyed the works of the devil, made a public spectacle of him through the cross. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'm leaving now, but I'm sending you an advocate, a paraclete, and the Holy Spirit, a comforter, and a counselor. Speaking of counselors, as we have, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit is called a counselor, you know, and um, he's, I'm leaving you my spirit, and though I go away, I leave you with peace. You know, let not your hearts be troubled. Um, really, I've heard um, these words in funerals a lot. Let not your hearts be troubled. You know, and they're really words of of great comfort and peace. And I've just always said, if you can ever get a hold of some real peace, like the Spirit gives. Um, You'll never go back to all that fretting and trouble and and all that kind of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it's just such a good place to be. So he's he earned that title, Prince of Peace. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. And and he's passing on that peace to those who mm -hmm. come to him and trust in him. And then we have, I don't know if you have another version of this one, but I'm going to do the Matthew version. Jesus himself tells us all about anxiety. Yep. Um, so here we go, Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And here's one of my favorites right here. Look at the birds in the air. Oh, yeah. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Uh, and he continues to go on with, I mean, just fantastic definitions and descriptions here. But that, that's the, the whole point. We are valued by God, our creator. And he cares about us. And he wants us to trust in him mm -hmm. and to throw all of our cares upon him. Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line. That is the solution to this type of anxiety that we're talking about. And uh, did, did you have anything else? Because I have another, I have kind of a question for you um, when we get past this particular point, if you're ready for it. Ready when you are, boss. Okay. What do we say about people who have read Philippians 4, 4 through 7? And I'll say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. 
but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. What, what, does he, what does Paul mean here? Don't be anxious about anything. Well, we're real world guys, right? Uh, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's spiritual pablum and these platitudes that people say, you know, as dark as before the dawn and all that kind of stuff, right? It just, my mind shuts off immediately. Uh, I think of a Batman. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, he got it. <laughs> and so we're real world guys. So sometimes things happen that really bear down on you. Okay. Well, we're not going to act like the Christian life is not that way or life in general, right? We're just not going to say silly things like that. Even Christ sweat blood at certain points. Sometimes God has a dispensation for your life that's very difficult. The Bible pulls no punches. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Paul says, and on top of all that, I bear the burden of the churches daily. That's, I mean, you might not call it anxiety, but it's weight. Okay, and Paul says, you know, I was shipwrecked and beaten and and in fear of bandits and wild animals and you know all kinds of things right that that are anxiety inducing mm-hmm. um, life can be very hard and uh, we're not prosperity guys so we will say that yes sometimes god puts you in difficult positions okay or sometimes yes you know he knew that cancer was coming okay um so, the question is then, what is mature Christianity? It's even though those things are hard and they hurt and they're stress-inducing. I don't care for the word stress too much, but let's just, it goes with anxiety and, and such, right? And so, sometimes you're feeling that weight and that burden and that anxiety. And then, the question is, how am I going to respond as a mature Christian? Say. Am I going to lose my composure? Okay. Am I going to lose my cool? Am I going to, on the other hand, endure it with um, joy as hard as it may be? Hey, what am I going to do? Or in the prosperity, hey, how am I going to act then? Am I going to make a fool? Am I going to um, lose my... Christianity, quote unquote, because I'm prosperous now and I'm not in the hard times and under all this anxiety, so I'm going to forget about God and just run off and do whatever. Yeah. So anxiety, as with anything else, can really be a test of the Christian life in how you're going to act. Um, so we don't we don't act like it's not there. That I don't think that's the point here. I think the point is learning how uh, Paul said. Um, I've learned therewith to be content in all kinds of situations, including the anxious, right? And I want to train myself. And I'm, no one's saying it's easy. Yeah, I, I fail all the time. Um, I was going to bring up about this that one of the one class of people that really struggles with anxiety 
And I heard all your statistics, and I believe every one of them, especially with the young people. But you know who struggles with anxiety a lot? Pastors. Mm. Pastoral ministry comes with a lot of anxiety. A, because you're bearing everybody else's anxiety because they're constantly sharing it with you, mm-hmm. right? But also just on the you know, the performance aspect of it, there's a lot of anxiety. So pastors really, this is something they can speak to from the heart because they live it a lot. Mm. And so I think, back to your question, which I think is perfect, is that this gives you a chance um, in a way greater than many other things, a chance to live the Christian life to the glory of God alone. I right. really think it does. And I think in that, that you ought to embrace some of the anxiety or at least the situations that lead to it. See, so that you can endure them in a manner like that great scripture you read from Matthew, knowing, see, that God knows this. Okay. And um, that you are able to cast your cares on him. Right. I think it's a real testimony in in ways that the good times just don't do. Yeah. It's true. Just like your story, your testimony. You're giving me this testimony about a time you went through. And I know that it was hard at certain points because I've been there. Yeah. See? But you're able to keep your composure through it and it's a testimony of the glory of God that you really do believe in. You know, in a lot of ways, this will probably anger some people, but in a lot of ways, worry is unbelief. Yeah. Anxiety is unbelief. Um, That's why the solution, what it's always commanded afterwards is to trust in him. To trust in him. (laughs) Because you believe Romans 8, that all things work for the good of those that love Christ Jesus, right? That God has ordered all things, even though I can't understand it. And when you're in that moment of worry, you've you've forgotten. You've Mm -hmm. dismissed that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you're in an act of sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, as if we were loving God with all our hearts, minds, and soul all the time, mm-hmm. you wouldn't worry. Right. right. There's not going to be worry in heaven. There wasn't going to be, there was no worry in, in the garden. Now you're hitting it, brother. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a byproduct of the fall, but yep. it's also an act against God and a disbelief mm-hmm. of his promises exactly. that he will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that he has ordered all things. Mm-hmm. And when this hurts, the good thing about it is I can know it's not meaningless and purposeless. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it is ordered by God somehow for my good, even though I can't see it. And, yeah. And, and that goes worry. back to our, our, our previous series on the five solos. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're not belittling the pain. The pain's real. Anxiety is an acute sort of pain. I think we've talked about this a little bit already, but it bears repeating. It's an acute sort of pain uh, that in a way that physical pain is not. Um, it, it lingers. You can't get away from it. It's inside of you, and, and you can't escape from it when it's really bad. Um, I've known people that have really struggled with it, and um, it's not a laughing matter at all. You know, so we want to remember that, you know, and it's, they're, they're certainly not um, being in unbelief. They just have this condition where it really hurts. And, yeah. Um, 
Now, here's... <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. Right. To, so, here's the situation. Let's imagine that I cannot go into a restaurant and order my food because I am too anxious, too worried that I'm going to mess up my order. What do you say to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, f- I fear foul play here. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'd say it's the old introvert joke. You know, how do you put an introvert on the <laughs> diet? You put a stranger in the kitchen, right? Okay, so, but I think I know where this story has come from. And if not, it's just that c-word coincidence we don't use around uh, (laughs) reformed (laughs) circles right but i i struggled with this as a child and the idea of going to luby's which for those of you not from texas is a cafeteria right where you get the tray oh yeah it's awesome yeah there's like a hundred different you can get jello yes you could get (laughs) lots of different kinds of jello people you're missing out and it was uh, it was terrifying to me. Actually, it was anxiety through the roof. I would freeze up, and they still make fun of me to this day about it. Um, my can you go into Luby's? I can now, but only because I devised an anxiety coping system and methodology. See where now. I even hate to admit this. (laughs) (laughs) But anybody that knows me knows this is true. I will order the same thing no matter where I go out to eat. You know, it's specific to different, you know, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I order this. If I go to uh, Italian, I order this. If I go to hamburger, you know, barbecue, I order. But I always order the same thing. And that's an anxiety reducing mechanism. Okay. Um, now you may say that's not very spiritual and I agree, but it's very effective (laughs) and you can develop things like that even on, you know, spiritual levels to really help you walk better. And, and that does me, I can go to Luby's easy now because I know I'm ordering the chicken fried steak. It's Unless they are out. (laughs) What's what's plan B? (laughs) Yes, I could have a plan B. So that's that's the strategy. So Mm -hmm. um, on the last baby sessions, for those of you who haven't listened to that, go and listen to it because it was great. And you can see my son. He's cute. Um, One of the things that me and my wife are talking about is there is a woman who went into Starbucks and was so full of anxiety about getting her order right. I mean, because of Starbucks, it's like a sentence, you know, a paragraph to order whatever it is you're trying to say. It's not just, I want number three. <laughs> no, it's I want, I, I, I'm not even going to do it. I can't even say it all. Blah, 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 macchiato, blah, 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 whatever. You know, I, I say a mocha frappuccino. I'm done. I'm good. Right? So this yep. lady goes in, so just working it through her head over and over again. And I can understand a little bit of that. Just a little bit. I can go, okay, yeah. Just make sure you try and get the, the right phrase down. I'm not full of anxiety when I do it, but it's just like, oh, I just, I want to try and get it right if I can, especially if it's hard. And I, first of all, I don't go to Starbucks. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, if I was going to, I would have to think about it just a little bit or think, let me get the easiest order I can. Anyways. I went there with my 
come and take it t-shirt on. I think I was the anxiety inducer. <laughs> Sir, you have to leave. You're making us full of anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> yeah, so she finally gets through the order and she says it and tells the barista, oh, whew, I got it. That was so anxious I would get it wrong. And um, later on, um, when the barista came and gave her a coffee, she brought her like this treat and said, good for you. You know, I know that was so hard. And so me and my wife look at that and we go, isn't that just being an adult? Like, isn't that just, you know, taking care of things, doing hard things? That's our motto. Wheelers do hard things. If it's hard, you just do it, Mm -hmm. you know, in a sense, man up. Right. And she, and this is where it comes, where I kind of came up with that whole victim kind of mentality is, well, she was championed on Facebook. I mean, there were thousands and thousands of people saying they had the same experience, good for her, and all of that. And I, I hear what you're saying about fear, worry, and you're talking about really deep worries and right, anxieties. Right, right. Yes. And I think there's another side to that mm-hmm. where it's, this isn't very deep. This is, this is almost self-indulged in. Mm-hmm. Like, these people... Um, and again, we go back to the younger generation, but I guess you could say my generation too is full on board. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I can order everything here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to go into the store. I mm-hmm. can just click right here and I don't have to do it. And because of that, there's that lack of responsibility and lack of ownership and of talking to somebody and doing a hard thing like interacting. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to lie. And I go to the grocery store, I can't find something. Yeah. I don't want to ask somebody, but that's just because I'm a man. And I, I'm like, I got to figure this out. You know, uh, if I have to, I'll go tell somebody. But it's like, I feel like that's part of this. Why I say culture of anxiety mm-hmm. is there's this whole bunch of people that are coming into this that are being in, almost encouraged to stick in this kind of lifestyle because it is hard. You found a way you had to man up. And figure out a way to but order food when you're made struggling. Fun of me the whole time, trying to toughen me up. Thing. So was that was that the benefit? Does that help yeah, that, you? That's the benefit, definitely. So I you had a father that would I, push I, you to do it. Well, he, I don't know. If in he, a way, in a way, yes. He, he, <laughs> there could one, have been a better yeah. way. Is what you're <laughs> that's saying? One thing. Well, not, in this area, that's just one thing he was was pretty good at. Um, but I hear you. It's when you say. Uh, when you said, I think they're being encouraged to be this way, I think that's the money phrase, okay? And I, how do you subvert a society? How do you do that? Well, one way is to encourage things like victimhood and cowardice. Yeah, that, that's a way yeah. that... Cowardice, that's can, a great way to explain that. Yes, and every generation always picks on the ones that came before it, okay? And they could pick on us too, and... One of, I mean, we call them, you know, all kinds of different names of people that have gone before us, right? But they would call us soft. And our society has been encouraged to be soft. And people can get mad at me if they want to. I don't really care. Um, the, our, we have encouraged ourselves to become soft. Um, sometimes we say effeminate either, even yeah. with our with yeah. our men. Okay, mm-hmm. we, but we're encouraged, and that's the way you subvert. That's one way that you subvert a strong society is you start eating it out from within, encouraging things like 
helplessness and anxiety. Yeah. Well, that's what you want your enemies men to be like, right? So yes, I fully agree. That's that's exactly what's happening in so many ways. There's there's an encouragement. It's rather insidious um, because of how it's been perpetrated, but um, you see it in the public schools. Yeah. You know, and you mm-hmm. see it um, in the universities. You see it in the media. You see it in the arts. You see it in all cultural influences. It's this constant beating of be anxious, you know, be a victim, be soft, be weak, right? Don't man up, you know. Um, we used to get hit in the face and get told to get back to it, mm-hmm. you know, quit crying, quit crying, you know, but you, you weren't allowed to, you know, and, and so when your phrase there, it's almost like it's being encouraged. Okay. I think it most certainly is, mm-hmm. you know, and the Bible commands us to be men. Yeah. Gird up your loins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be a man. Yeah, be a man. Be a Stand man. Stand firm. <laughs> be steadfast. I think we'll need to do a uh, an episode on being a man. You know, what, is, mm-hmm. what does Scripture say about being a man? I think that'd be good. I think that would be fantastic. I think it's not going to be bowing into the culture of anxiety. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was great. I really appreciate all the stuff you brought in. Um, it's really great to just kind of hear some of your experiences and your side of things. And... Um, I really hope that y'all been blessed by this. Uh, it was a lot of fun doing this, and uh, I'm glad we got the new year started, yeah. and hopefully we'll have many more to come. So God bless. Y'all have a good one. Bye.